made by students for students but not restricted to just students basically anyone can listen to it <laughs> still uh, we've got uh, three other co-hosts we've got Charlene hello Nicholas hello and Timmy hello and I myself Brendan uh, today's topic we're going to revolve around diagnosis and our inquiries and everything like that so to kick it off let's um, kick it off <laughs> <laughs> love the enthusiasm Nick that's it that's alright so enthusiastic love it so to, to, uh, to kick it off um, does anyone want to explain uh, the main 10 questions that we usually are we starting there? Well, I mean, we could. I feel like I uh, I feel like diagnosis or when you start to make your thought process starts from as soon as you see the person. Okay, so we'll start off with observation. Yeah, I feel like observation should be first. That's the first thing. I, I, I that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. That's nice, it. Nice. I like it. I like it. Yeah, no, I, I immediately start to look at how the person walks, how the person bites, if they're loud, um, if they're pale, if they're really red. I try and pick up on those things as soon as possible. And even before that, just when you see a patient, like male, female, kind of in your mind, you're like, oh, like an age, there's kind of things that you think of when you're diagnosed. Like an older person, you kind of lean towards more of a like yin deficiency as yin declines naturally. Um, in older age and like if male it's a bit more like yeah I'm sorry I just want to talk at you guys <laughs> okay so yeah I think even before like the intricate details of who they are just some general overall you yeah, start, start to, to form. think about them before you even see them and start to get a good idea and then you look at them and you start to form some ideas and especially things you can start to ask about. What's some like classic signs and symptoms? Like you see a patient and you're like, ah, oh, this person definitely has this thing. Or I, I often look at um, the way they walk, if they're limping or if they, they hold something. So then I automatically think like, is this going to be pain? Or, you know, what, why are they limping? Why, why do they do this? But then the other things I think about are if they're pale, if their face is really pale, their skin's pale. So complexion. Yeah, you start to think about like blood deficiency or Western men, they might be anemic, stuff like that. Yeah, even the uh, body stature. The body stature can tell, you can tell for, for uh, instantly whether they're deficient or they're excess. If you come in with a big dude, generally that has like, looks like he's going to the gym or whatever. You or generally... on the other side where they may be overweight. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You start to think about the spleen and you start to think really about their diet and, you know, is that playing an impact on whatever condition they have? Well, if you, like, uh, some <laughs> some uh, patients that I see usually, well, not usually, but every now and then, you know, are very, uh, very skinny, like, you have a very small stature. Generally, they're deficient, but sometimes you can almost tell, like, sometimes they might even have, have basically signs of a drug abuse and you can see how it's depleted their body and they're coming in for a, almost now a chronic deficiency because they've lived that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So you can judge that also from observation too. Yeah, picking up on things that people may not want to talk about or share and you can see them, see that in somebody. Yeah, and that's Not that, that we're judging, but we're just trying to find a, a true diagnosis just so our herbs and our acupuncture work. Talking about herbs with body stature, a lot of like the ancient texts talk about like using a like a guizitang type body type or a mapong type body type. And I think that's really interesting. But that's like classic Shanghang stuff. 
right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's even. I think it's a, a Shanghan Lun thing, but it's been developed a bit further into modern day Chinese yeah. medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then once you kind of lead them into your room and you start talking. This is where we're talking about the 10 questions and the inquiry side of the diagnosis comes into it. So I guess we ask first why they're here, what we can do for them, what's the kind of concern that brought them in. And sometimes it's pain, sometimes it's just an overall checkup, and then sometimes it's something, I guess, more serious. Yeah, I guess just for context, um, the way that we usually, the way that the clinic, the work clinic that we all uh, treat at, the way that it goes down is usually we talk about the main complaint, we get an idea of the main complaint, and then obviously we talk about the new patients, and then to get an assessment and an idea of this new patient, we go through a routine 10 questions. After that, we do the 10 questions, we also go into uh, other things like their medical history, and then sometimes their guiding history, it's overall systems overview, and then so we get, the, the idea of that is to just get a good picture of their, I guess their normal constitution, and an idea of just what type of person they are. Yeah, exactly, who they are, and then, you know, we can tailor herbs to that. We can treat things that they might not see, or the underlying conditions and relationships between organs. That's what what those 10 questions are, it's to kind of bring attention to those those things that are usually skimmed over, uh, or, and that's what the yeah, the 10 questions are revolved around there's certain things here and there that if they say yes or no, and you're like, okay, I can see there is something there. This might be maybe constitutionally weak something, weak liver, weak kidney, whatever. Uh, does anyone want to go into what those 10 questions are specifically? Do we have like a, a full list? Yeah. Oh, the full list is right here in front of me. I was yelling away for that. <laughs> so we talk about uh, fever and chills. Uh, on that, I, I don't like to use the word fever and chills. I feel like people often associate that with uh, being sick, and I want to know if they're having abnormal feeling of being hot or abnormal feeling of all of a sudden being cold. Yeah, I, I, um, I prefix that with abnormal, usually. Abnormal chills or abnormal fever. Yeah, yeah, I just try to avoid the word fever and chills when I'm talking to somebody because, because it's a thought that brings on. And they often think about that when they're sick. Mm. Um, and then we talk about sweat if there is any abnormal sweating that's not overly exercise induced uh, we, we go on to talk about pains in the body that are not their general chief complaint um, so that's where that comes in with the lower back pain the knee pain with like somebody that's a bit older or the, with the yin deficiency um, and then we go on to the we talk about the ears and eyes uh, we also incorporate headaches Stuff like that. So we're looking for like tinnitus and blurry vision. Just overall general, not function of the eye, but the things surrounding the eye, like itchiness and stuff. And then we talk about like diet, thirst, appetite, what they're eating. Like what they're eating is quite important. Am I talking too much? No, 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 You're explaining, you're explaining everything. So I'm boring myself. <laughs> it's, it's all just for like information. You're, you're literally just... Do you want me to take Yeah, I'm just like spitting. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. cool. Like, cool. Why, why some of the 10 questions are part of the 10 questions? Like, why do they say this is this? Why is it really that important to be I, part of the 10 questions? I think in the beginning I did, but once like we got into clinic and like... I would go through them and then I'd get an answer and I'd be like, oh, like this informs this like type of thing. That's why. Yeah, I guess it doesn't make sense in the beginning years when you're not actually seeing patients um, because the patients don't actually realize themselves that it's related sometimes. And so it's good to kind of get an overall, like you were saying before. And I feel like it's good to sort of form those connections. 
and especially in those first couple of years where you're just like, this is the spleen and this is the liver and these things live apart. Mm-hmm. But then when you start to get into it, you're like, oh, these, these are like, you know, this one in each other. Yeah, this, this sort of has this sort of feeling, uh, this sort of connection with the whole yin-yang, this aspect affects another sort of organ and you get the whole sort of general idea with these sort of ten questions of what's happening in the body, how it might affect it. And it's a good segue. I feel like it's a really easy thing to go on to when you're talking to your patients. You're like, yep, I'm just going to segue on to the 10 questions after we finish the, this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we call them 10 questions so we can easily identify that this mm-hmm. is what's happening. And then we can delve deeper into... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I usually brief my patient before I go into the yeah, questions. And I'm like, so these are 10 questions. Because a lot of people are sometimes not very res- res- responsive. Res- yeah, responsive to... And they're uh, a little bit personal. You know, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, are these are these questions. These questions are important. In the way I explained earlier, these are these questions are important to get an idea of how the body, how your body is, and what's normal. That way, we create our treatment and the way I approach accordingly. That's yeah. generally what I do. Uh, yeah. That's how I brief the patients, so they're more open and more aware. So like, okay, this is all important. I'm going to answer them with all, all with everything. Yeah. Well, that's what we'd hope. Yeah. So, so we so stopped at uh, appetite. And so next one, we've got bowel motions and urinations, and then we talk about sleep and also like energy, stress levels, and one that is kind of in history but it's also kind of included is for females like gynae and period related questions as well. And uh, that's gynae and period related questions. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know why I just coupled those together again, but because um, I suppose it encompasses everything, but. They're very important. Uh, it's, a, it's not the easiest topic to talk about, but it is a very important topic to talk about. The relationship between gynae and organs, like the zuncal organs that we use, that's, uh, yeah, empirical. Side note. Side Nick, note. Nick and Tim, when you inquire about like, periods and like that, it, it is super important. Do you, so, sometimes, well, in the beginning years, when we were going through questions and there was like HRT and things like that, and you have to identify that stuff, were you kind of lost with that type of stuff? I, I, got, I barely even knew what, like, this is terrible for me to say, but I barely knew what HRT was. Yeah, of course, of course. That's normal, yeah. I guess. Yeah, Sorry. even I know very little about HRT is hormone replacement therapy, and I know very little about it as well. I think if you know someone that kind of as experience with it, then you know a bit more, but it's not something that it's touched on too much when we learn about guidance. No, but in the first, like when you first experience talking to patients about their menstruation and that's somebody that's close to your age, you know, somebody that you would, it's hard to find that um, balance or, you know, you feel awkward asking the questions because they're very personal. You know, that we need those, we need that information. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tim, go for it. I think it's like a guy, and like before we sort of dwelled into like guidance and stuff, I don't think we have that sort of, society doesn't really teach us that much about like the female kind of logical sort of problems and stuff. Not at all. I used to think like back back in the days, it's like when, when I found out that girls bleed for like a few days, I was like, girls have periods like multiple times. That's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst. It's memes on Facebook that's like, just choose not to have your period. It's oh. <laughs> not no. how it works. No, but it is. It's terribly awkward in the first, in those first couple of years, where you're like, I don't, I don't know enough about this subject to ask enough questions. Yeah, but I, if I go, if I leave this room with no information, I'm gonna get drilled by somebody. Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's definitely difficult. But once you find that confidence, 
and you ask those questions with confidence, that's reality. Yeah, confronting that whole thing, it was, uh, especially during like consultations and things like that, it's, it is very important. I have four sisters, so it's like, I'm not really shy to ask about that, but from a medical perspective and trying to ask specific things about it, I'd just sometimes just be lost and it'd just go out the window. Like, okay. I don't know, like I never asked my sisters about clots or anything like that, you know, so I'm not really used to the whole medical perspective of it all, but uh, to come into it as a guy, and then especially the first couple of ones, it's just, not, not, not necessarily awkward, it's just I'm lost in a way sometimes. I yeah, I feel like I just, at the very start, I just like stumbled through, uh, asked the questions that the computer prompted, and got over it, because, you know, I, so I tend to go very bright red when I'm embarrassed. I do turn into a very, very, very bright strawberry and it's very obvious and not very hard to hide. So that's, you know, it's quite, it's quite hard. Yeah, it's very important to talk about. Shall we dive a bit deeper into the 10 questions? Yeah, yeah. Um, we did just give them a quick skim. So let's talk about like what they mean and how we use them. Yeah. Well, like, like I said, like I, I don't know if I, me or someone else said it earlier, like, a lot of the stuff is to almost just analyze different aspects of the body and functions and organs and things like that, just to bring attention to those things that are needed. And just give it a top and tail sort of look, you know, let's, let's make sure we don't miss anything important, and especially when we're trying to find connections, you know, the, the Zanku organs have lots of connections all over the body. So when we're trying to find those connections, especially with like the eyes and the ears yeah. and, you know, the sense organs. Eyes tend to set off like... Alarm bells, not alarm bells, like something's wrong, but eyes are generally what I look at when liver comes around. Mm -hmm. So just Yeah, relative. definitely. Yeah. The liver opens up to the eyes. Yeah, so eyes is the... Oh. Eyes was a... Uh, eyes, eyes was a... Uh, was controlled by the liver or nourished by the liver or something like that. Yes. Um, eyes and... Eyes and... Aside from the liver specifically, hair. Hair too. Hair is the external manifestation of liver. So if you get like... Premature alopecia gray, or something. Yeah, alopecia, premature gray hairs or hair loss. Oh no, hair loss is... Not really. I think hair loss is a different because uh, the hair loss can be um, like a spleen thing yeah, sleep, yeah. or a blood thing. You mean kid bucking too? Yes, could be a okay. Kid. So more so grey hairs because uh, the diagnosis is diagnosis is and brittle. If the hair breaks very oh, easily, yeah. and it can be another like yin sign that mm. so attributes to like the liver, liver yin, and kidney yin. Which is interesting. I think one of the questions that stand out to me that wouldn't really stand out to someone who doesn't really know about Chinese medicine much is thirst. Why is thirst like, such an important question to put in the 10th question? How does it become so relevant in Chinese medicine? Well, when you ask about thirst, what, what do you ask about? Because I personally ask um, if you have any abnormal excessive thirst. Mm -hmm. So if you, I know the feeling that, that it's just like, oh my God, I am so thirsty that it's just like, like it's abnormal. Like, like, why the hell am I so mm. thirsty? Yeah, I love constant, like constant thirst. Uh, constant thirst? Yeah, so, so if it's not if it's not uh, satisfied by just having a drink of water or something like that, it's there's something else. Because, like, obviously everyone gets thirsty. I need water, I'm going to drink. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but it's that excess, like, I feel like it's that excessive thirst that's, yeah, like you said, abnormal. Yeah. It's, like, sort of out of the blue. Out of the blue. Because I, I think anyone kind of just... Can go on a pal accident, like might be rushing to the train or something and be thirsty. You know what I mean? And the patient will be like, "Oh yeah, of course I get thirsty after I do this." Mm. Or a lot of the time they they respond with, "Oh, it depends how much water I drink." Mm. Of course, it's going to depend how much water you drink. It's that, mm. that's a balance in itself. So when I say constantly thirsty, it's like it, it, the water isn't enough. Mm. 
Yeah. So there's something deep under it. Like with the, and that's for me, heat or engine deficiency or both. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it also trains to stomach yin deficiency. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, But on like the Western Ned side, it's a lot to do with diabetes. If your patient is like constantly thirsty or constantly oh. drinking. Mm. Oh, I didn't. I, didn't yeah, know I use that like as a, almost like a diabetes marker. Yeah. How about dry throat? Is that similar? Natural. Lung. Lung, yeah. Well, I know, I know dry throat is, well, I, from what I know, you dry throat mouth. And like like a saliva is like more like kidney, like kidney Yeah, I think you go back to like the yin side because it's like the fluid. Yeah, you get a little menopause patients kind of just talking about their. Sorry, I'm not talking about that. No, um, the, not at all. They, <laughs> sorry, um, they talk about their dry throat and mouth and things like that. Generally, and, and it's associated with the hot flushes too. Yeah, yeah that they also covers like when it goes down to like the throat. Sometimes it's like deeper, deeper into the person. Like it starts at the mouth. It's like, oh, my lips are a bit dry, then it goes to your mouth, then it goes to the throat, and it just keeps going like, oh, until you're, sometimes you have the dry coughs and stuff. It's supposedly like, it's gone deeper into the actual body, where it's like, you've had it for so long, and it's just going to keep getting worse and worse until it's going to feel dry all over, dry skin, and everything else too. Yeah, that kind of reflects, that kind of reflects like, kidney, kidney and liver deficiency in general. Like, if you have a long-term thing, then it's going to deplete your kidney, liver, you know, or just overall your so then eventually you'll start feeling more of that nut sweats. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. So coming back to Tom, what do you, what do you, how do you ask? That's where that question started. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, what, what B said before is sort of what I do. It's like after drinking water or like put in circumstances where it's like, after drinking water, do you still feel thirsty? Like, oh, yeah, how I'm much, still, yeah. how much water or how much drinking does it take to quench that thirst? That's it. And it's like, if they're like, oh yeah, obviously I drink water. And now we all have a drink. <laughs> We've been talking about this for like the last five minutes. I think it's like after, like they always be like, oh, obviously after it's hot or something, I'm thirsty. But it's sometimes like, I kind of use that as a segue to be like, oh, how much do you drink? And how much do you use that? That's why you feel thirsty all the time. So how much do you actually drink? Because sometimes people, it doesn't have to be a huge Chinese medicine thing. It's like, this person just hasn't drunk enough water. This guy's drunk Yeah, definitely. And sometimes people drink not much water and they're like yeah I drink I drink lots I drink like two three cups a day and you're like well uh fairly the drink more water like two three liters <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's actually something I do I did want to say going into uh, water intake now I've always wanted to wonder this and this is just something just a side little thing I wanted to know do you guys count herbal tea first of all as like you know how you have like a little section for tea um, would you count that as tea or water intake? Like herbal tea? Tea. Tea? tea. tea. Yeah. Herbal tea like, comes like, under tea. <laughs> like, like, herbal, because like black tea, yeah, I can understand because it has that small bit of like caffeine in it and mm. it does attribute to that. Mm. But herbal tea I haven't really gone into as that. Anything that's diluted, anything that's not pure water, I put under whatever, even cordial, I don't really oh, count cordial, as no. water cordial intake, or like no, juice no. as well is not really, for me, not counted as water intake because it's kind of it's diluted. fluid intake? intake? Yeah, yeah, that's how I see water it. Water intake. Oh, okay. So, because like cordial has your sugars, mm. cordial, uh, and juice has a lot of your fructose and mm. like that. Of course, I, I personally don't even go that close to water, like I agree with you. Mm. It's just herbal tea, or just, yeah, herbal tea is kind of just like, a lot of the way that I, I see it anyway, it's just hot water with like a teeny bit of stuff in it. 
Yeah, I when I think about their their water intake, I incorporate the tea. Oh, okay. like so, like if they're drinking, so if they're drinking a liter of water a day, but they're also drinking like six teas a day, then that sort of balances it out. And like, okay, so you're probably taking enough fluid in that it's it's not going to be a problem. And what else on the ten question list? What is that list? Diet and appetite is a pretty important one. Because it's kind of what we're putting into our bodies and it's where our nutrients is coming from. So if you're putting, I guess, a lot of fried, greasy or kind of very spicy food, it's our body's not going to like too much of it if it's all you're constantly eating. Yeah, definitely. I had something to say, but I've lost it. <laughs> I've got something. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, vegetarians, mm-hmm. how, do you, how does that usually affect uh, the, the internal body? I think with vegetarians, I always ask if they're like what type of foods they're eating. If they're getting a lot of beans and other kind of just vegetables, and they're able to get the rest of the kind of like iron and the B12 and all the nutrients that normally comes from meat, then I'm not as concerned. But if they kind of say, no, I just eat like leafy green vegetables and that's it, I kind of think. And then they start to look very pale and you're yeah, like, oh. blood deficiency. Yeah, you're not getting enough. You're not getting enough of that like rich mm. like yeah. richness out of food um, that goes with sort of any diet though mm. if you're if it's not balanced and you're not getting enough nutrients then obviously mm. the diet isn't well in my terms not good you know it's not good enough for you it's not providing yeah, it's, your body it, with what it needs yeah you're not getting everything out of you know even the western med side of you you're not getting all those vitamins and all that protein and nutrients that yeah. so you that, need to get out of food yeah, that, that leads on to a question. When you cut out when you cut out meat, what do you essentially cut out from both the Western and those, uh, Western medicine and the Chinese medicine perspective of what you need? Well, that's all that. That's like your iron, so it's your blood building. You know, you're not putting enough of that in your body. Yeah, because I, 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 I did hear a lot of, I did hear a lot of um, blood deficiency, like iron deficiencies. Yeah, uh, yeah. associated yeah. with, uh, with um, <laughs> you're not a vegetarian though. I'm <laughs> just, just iron deficient. Yeah, I'm blood yeah. deficient. And, make, and that makes sense because, like, obviously, you got your red meats are like your main, uh, one of your main. Yeah, that's sort of. Things, yeah, that's sort of your crossover again with like Chinese medicine, Western mm-hmm. medicine. Yeah. I think vegetarians also tend to eat a lot of like salads and stuff, and this goes in with like raw foods and being like cold on the stomach and harder to digest. And sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, I'm just really tired and stuff." Well. Yeah. Exactly. You, you have a good look at the diet. Yeah, have a good look at the diet, and then. A lot of things start to come out, and it's like, not to be judgy, but if you eat more of this type of food or eat less of this type of food, you will become a bit better in life. <laughs> everybody's making hand signals. <laughs> no, the headphones. How are your headphones? Yeah, they started to work properly. I accidentally like yanked. No, I'm not both now. Yeah. Yeah, what? We're very new to this podcasting thing. Um, no. It's, especially we're very budget, And we're very budget. Yeah, that first episode where we're talking about a year out of one year, we weren't kidding. Like, <laughs> if we can only hear out of one year. Maybe you guys probably get the full, full experience. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> they got most of the full experience of it. I wasn't very proud of that episode. But the first one? Yeah, the first oh, one. Like oh, it sounds all over the place. Learning experience, man. Yeah, it's called a pilot for a reason. Yeah. No, it was, it was fun anyway. <laughs> Yeah, back to the topic ahead. I think that's a good segue to bowel motions. <laughs> Talking about bowel motions is not the easiest topic to talk about. No. I think it's harder if there's a language barrier. Like last Everything's week, harder when it's Yeah, language. last week I asked one of my patients, like, how are your bowel motions? And they're like, 
bow what? And I had to be like, how's your poo? <laughs> like, Sometimes you just have to break it down to... Yeah. It, like, uh, I, I kind of see what you did there a little bit. Do you see that? Uh, you break it down? It down. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the gut feeling. Like, hey. hey. <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. You're through me. Um, what was I going to talk about? So what do we ask? The importance of bowel motions. What do we ask in terms of bowel motions? Uh, how frequent is frequent? Yeah. Biggest one. Yeah. Uh, biggest one for you? Th- yeah, that's the biggest one for me. Yeah. Not like quality? No, not for me. That comes second. Like texture. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people, well, like, it depends what's normal for them. And a lot of people think that a one bowel motion every four days is that's like whack. a good thing. That's, that's whack. normal. Yeah, but th- that could just be normal for them. You know, yeah, yeah, that makes to sense. To improve their gut is is obviously one thing we try to improve, but yeah, how frequent they're going, or somebody that goes three to four times a day, um, and they just like, yeah, it doesn't everybody, you know, like, mm, no, not necessarily, but yeah, I think how frequent is. Yeah, I, me- I measure that to the normal. I measure that compared to the normal. So usually for me, once a day, or the the general standard for me, once a day formed uh, a nice, and comfortable good, good brown. Uh, it was a good brown. Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, feels complete. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, no pain associated. That's the normal for me. Mm-hmm. So anything that deviates away from that, I, I feel... Is needs it, attention. Needs attention, yeah. Uh, again, if it's like really minor, like it's a little bit of a loose side, I'll, 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 I won't really be bad an eye at it. But if it's something like, oh, it, it's sludge, then it's like, okay, you've got some weaknesses, you've got something going on that's... Let's question it further. Yeah, so then yeah. It, it, that that involves a little bit of further investigation, like, oh, what's your diet like? Uh, do you get any pain? Um, and all that, those those type of things. Yeah, I like to use these ten questions as that. Like, let's let's start here, and then if there is something that flags, let's let's dive in. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's really see what's going on. Do, do you look at stools a lot, Tim? When you <laughs> I go to people's bathrooms. He's a good doctor. Oh. <laughs> he investigates thoroughly. So can you just take this cup? <laughs> I think something that's not really in the sort of uh, ten questions is feeling complete. I think that's like a super important mm. one for stools. It's like sometimes you feel like it's some like a little bit still sort of stuck there and it's not fully out, and I think that's. That's a really big thing because sometimes you, like, having that incomplete feeling can, like, lead to other things too. It's not just, like, uh, didn't poop out everything. It's, like, sometimes it can lead to more stress. You just have a, it starts you off to a bad day and it just leads to, like, a whole sort of roller coaster downhill. What does it show you when it's incomplete? Uh, if it's diagnosis-wise, like, what are you looking at? Um, normally what I look at is, like, what you said before, it's, like, diet gut health, I think that's like, oh, something's wrong with this sort of intestine functioning systems, if it's hard to pass or it's not complete, it's like, oh, something's wrong there, because you should be emptying your bowels completely after every time you go. Diagnosis-wise, so when you see, uh, when someone's like, oh, it's hard to pass, what's your immediate thought, like, uh, internally-wise, is there any, you want to look into more, like maybe a heat or something like that? I think I look more into sort of Western med side and then into Chinese medicine side forward it comes to complete upper It's like, oh diet, fiber, definitely not a, like not enough or something if it's hard for them to pass. Um, if not, I look into large intestine or small intestine function. Is there something wrong with that sort of area? 
or stomach and spleen much sort of further away, but definitely with the large intestines, small intestines sort of functioning, that's making it very difficult for them to sort of is it flush everything. Is it like a deficiency, would you say? Like a large intestine or small intestine deficiency, would you say? Or it could be either, honestly. I think it's like too it's it's an excess where it's like not functioning properly and they can't filter it. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no definitely. It, you could have like the spleen young excess uh, deficiency where it's not digesting properly, so you're not being able to push everything out, and your body's trying to hold on to everything because it's like I'm not getting enough. Just give me more. It could be even like a yin deficiency thing. I feel like it could be that the yin can't it can't bring the poop down. There's no descending. But on top of that too, there's also uh, the dryness associated with yin too. The, the larger side is dry. Yeah, the heat. And the heat. heat. Yeah. I like to go back back again to the diet. Are they eating a lot of red meats and lamb? Are they, you know, is their diet more in that hot? Yeah, I tend to investigate towards like heat uh, when, I, when I hear incomplete, or oh, constipation in general. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, there's, there's no moisture or anything like that. So then I, I recommend diet changes, more okra, more mucusy foods. And more guess, seeds. Yeah, yeah, or fiber. But yeah. sometimes, but on that though, sometimes when there's too much fiber, that's where it clogs. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, and don't go, don't yeah. go ham. So, yeah. Technical term there. Yeah. Local term there. A deli term. Um, what's I going to say? No, I've lost it. Oh, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. That's all right. I will move on to, from, we'll move on from biology. Um, and urination. Now, I think, I think for this one, I think it's a bit important for me anyway. Um, yeah, well, I'd like to know if what's going in is coming yeah. out. Yeah. And yeah. if it's not going out, where is it going? The, the, the common pitfall that I get really annoyed at is when they're like, oh, it depends how much water I've, I've drank. Well, of course, go to another Yes. Okay, you so how much water do you drink? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I go, how much water do you drink? And they're like, oh, it depends on the day. Like, they, they, can't, they don't answer that. Yeah, okay, yesterday. How much water did you drink? Did you drink? Oh, and how many times did you go to the toilet? No, and then this is how it goes down. Uh, yesterday, you know, I was working a lot, so I didn't drink that much. I was much. very busy, didn't have much water. And the day before that? Oh, you know, that day I did go like on a, a, a run and I did drink a bottle of water. It's just like, yeah, come on. Like, you know when there's something wrong with your urination. Yeah, um, it, you Tell me how often you're going and if it's if it's regular. At least a ballpark thing. You don't have to, I don't want to know like exactly like, I went to the toilet at 8.05 and then I went to the toilet at 10.20. You know, I just, I, just a ballpark figure and then I like to know if it's frequent or urgent and yeah. if there's any pain. Or, or, or timing wise too. If it's more towards the night. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's night that's yeah, you're enjoying the sleep and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so also for urination, um, color and everything like that. Uh, that's that's a big one. Color and smell, I think, smell. are yeah. big. I, I I associate those with Western med. Um, not that they're not any kind of med to associate with, but you know, I think about that from Western medicine. If this if it's got like a rancid smell and yeah. the color's very dark, and then you know you start to think like, how much water are you actually drinking? Do you think the new because um, there's the belief in Chinese medicine where it's like the more yellow it is, the more sort of heat it is. And how much do you believe that like, that's sort of more sort of Chinese medicine where it's like, oh, they've got lots of heat in the body, that's why it's more sort of yellowy? Or do you think it's more sort of like, they just haven't drunk enough and that's why the urine is more sort of concentrated with more urine? Yeah, it comes to, that. It comes to both. Um, you know, because if you don't drink enough water, you do start to consume your own body fluids, which leads to some heat as well. But just in, just like off the bat term, like off the bat, I just think more 
uh, Western Med side. I keep hitting the headphones and the headphones. <laughs> just no, 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 you're making me hear out of both. So keep uh, hitting it. That's, that's completely fine. That's I totally don't mind. Keep, um, keep moving around. As, as for the, the, the smell and the color thing, I'm 100% like firm believer of that. Because uh, when I when I had I had like a little X Men outbreak, um, I don't know if I mentioned this episode last episode. Yeah. Last episode. Last episode. Yeah, uh, that I uh, had my little eczema thing when I was younger. Um, it was about year eight, and like heavy eczema, uh, very red, very damp, wind damp, hugely. Um, I used to uh, when I went to go to the toilet. It's going to get quite personal. Sorry, I was talking about my pee. Constantly yellow, constantly smell. And um, I also took one one time where I took antibiotics, which is I, I think I, I confirmed it confirmed this for me. It's more of like heaty, dry, kind of like yeah, consumes your own. Like I was saying before, consumes your own fluids. Yeah, exactly. So then, your own. so you could it became more. Oh, I guess it's kind of normal Western medicine. Uh, more yellow, more there's a more of a smell to it. it it's just it, it, there's more heat there, and that was so, I think the way that my body got rid of heat was urination too. So yeah, and that's a good way, like when you use herbs to expel heat, they're, they're a good way to, it's a good way to expel heat through urination. Yeah, I could smell I use more of those diuretic herbs. I could smell the herbs in my, in my urine. <laughs> Not like I could smell the herbs, but I could smell the effect. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's good. Which is what we want to get into, but sure. <laughs> I think uh, the other sort of most important thing that we talk about in terms of 10 questions is sleep. We have touched on sleep a lot and sleep is very important. Not sleep. Shout out to sleep. <laughs> but when we're asking about sleep, what are we looking for? Charlene, have you? How many hours of sleep, whether you kind of have some difficulty falling asleep, whether it's broken, so you wake up during the night, um, and then, yeah, whether it's a deep sleep, the quality of the sleep. And I think when you wake up, do you feel refreshed and energized, or are you like lethargic and like tired? The heaviness is there too. Mm, um, okay. Heaviness is like uh, dampness, is that right? <laughs> yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah. It can be. It's, yeah, got a lot of spleen in there. I haven't thought. Dreams too. Mm. Yes. Dreams and sleep. Sorry, but like. How do you explain uh, vivid dreams? Something that you can fully remember, I reckon. That's the way that I kind of explain it, is just you can really remember it. Is that when you give it like the, the um, heart and like affecting the shen? Is that. Yeah, is that what you associate? Yeah, disturb shit. So it's like when, or overact, or like half life. Yeah, yeah, and you It can be a heat thing as well. Like it's just disturb, like shen disturbance as well. But there's a heat aspect to it with dreams. Yeah. So, so the vivid dreams are dreams that you can remember, or they have to be like like scary, yes. or they are very descriptive. So yeah. I sort of, I don't know if I missed that class or... That maybe like, uh, I don't know, I kind of just took that as my own, because I, I, I feel the same way, it's not very explained. Yeah, and then we yeah. just use the term vivid, and it's... I, I usually say, like, because one, one of my followers, she always talks about vivid dreams, and she's generally like a, she's mostly calm throughout her day, but she's like, uh, I think she, ha she has a, has some sort of... Um, Tendency? Yeah, a yeah, a tendency toward, to, to being uh, nervous every now and then, but not too much, to be honest. Um, so, and she always talks about her dreams being very, very vivid, and and it, it does correlate with a lot of the heart stuff. That, like, I analyze the heart a little bit, not like monitor-wise, but just like more questions and things like that. And there were some heart things within that. So it's, it's kind of like the same, the vivid dreams uh, associated with heart, in a way. 
it's like yeah. sort of like unsettling I think yeah. is it just like it doesn't have to be on the spectrum where it's like very nightmare or very just like sometimes you have a bit of dreams and you remember a bit. I think it's when you sort of feel that unsettled feeling after waking up, it's like, ooh. Like I sort of remember that that was very real mm. and it wasn't like a it doesn't have, like not necessarily a happy one, but it's like that was very real. This is sort of going on. Yeah, the feeling of real, that's probably a good definition of vivid. Because, mm. yeah, I've I personally had those dreams where it's like you wake up, you're like, what the hell? That's it. Yeah, what the hell moments. And do you take it like, so it's like one night out of the week and you're like, okay, so maybe there's some shin disturbance? Or do you go majority? Oh, <laughs> Do you go like majority? Because like when I... When I talk about sleep to my patients, I tend to talk talk about like majority of the time. Majority is probably more. Yeah, how much sleep are you getting on average? Majority seven days out of the week depends on how often mm. I see them. But yeah, a lot of the time it's like lifestyle. Like if someone's constantly on the move, then generally you, you can. I see them mostly anyway. They're, they're, or if they live a very stressful mm. life, maybe they have kids, uh, mm. or they have some sort of big event going on, they're going to have more vivid dreams. Mm. That's what I see. Anyway. And on stress, we do ask about stress as well, and that's a little bit liver, a lot liver related. So sometimes, sorry, there's a lot of hand gestures in my <laughs> But yeah, stress and energy is one of the last things that we cover in our questions. Yes, <laughs> we're all about hand signals and smoke signs around here. Um, Gang signs. Yeah, stress and energy. Stress and energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, stress is a big one and I feel, I do ask about stress and we give it this number out of 10 which is a bit, yeah. but to, I don't really like to give things numbers like that. It's good to give it a scale, but it's, I, I find it hard to judge. If, yeah. I like, I like, it's like if it's not a direct thing, like if it's not if it's not associated too much, it's only more of an exacerbating factor, then I'll only put a number to it. It's, if it's, if they're, talking, yeah. if they're coming for pain and then I talk about stress, or like let's say that it, uh, trauma-based pain rather, if I talk about the, the stress, then the only thing I, my, my thought, my brain really goes to is just the healing process. Mm -hmm. Maybe the liver can't produce enough blood to nourish that. Yeah, definitely, or it's overactive yeah. in the spleen. But for the trauma itself, I'll quickly skim mm -hmm. over yeah. stress. Yeah. I kind of like putting a number on it because then you kind of not force the patient but you kind of ask them to kind of look at their life and what's going on and then you can kind of track it for them every week or they can track it themselves so you can be like okay last week you were this how are you feeling this week in comparison and then they can kind of have a look back at how they're doing as well yeah it works good as a comparison that is like well. yeah but I I personally just don't like to put a number on something that's it's very such subjective. a feeling. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Um, on subjective new segues, this is, these have been our opinions and our experiences with Chinese medicine diagnosis. And I think we're going to leave the podcast here for today. Thank you for listening as always. And remember to subscribe and follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Already where you find podcasts. We're just right over we try to spread ourselves everywhere and everything like that. Um, again, also, if you want a certain topic to, that uh, wants to be talked about, that was really weird, weird, very weird, but if you want us to talk about any certain topics, definitely try and give us a comment. 
uh, chuck us a like on Facebook and uh, follow us on Insta. We all have our individual Insta Instagrams. Uh, they'll be accepting. That's, that's okay. That's fine. That's okay. We'll relay any messages you've got to Tim. Yeah. He'll see them. Or we'll just comment on Facebook and yeah. we'll, we'll make sure he responds to you. Yeah, that's that's it. It. yeah we'll be the middleman of any messages. That's it. Um, so, yeah, with that. Um, yeah, give us any feedback you have, any comments, uh, anything you want us to go back over or talk about again or go into depth on, we can. Uh, otherwise, on that, we've been the Forever Young Podcast. It's been great to have you. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.